The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Okay, brother, there are, you might say that there are two trials taking place, two high-profile trials taking place. Uh, One is the ongoing Derek Chauvin uh, murder trial in Minneapolis, Mm -hmm. which today is day eight. Uh, The other one happening concurrently is the trial of Deshaun Watson in the court of public opinion uh, for sexual assault accusations, which continue to escalate by the day. So I pose it to you, brother, uh, which trial, and and obviously the Deshaun Watson trial is in quotes, but which trial uh, would you like to begin today's show with? Uh, let's begin with the one that is less serious. They're both very serious. Uh, but one that, uh, the implications I think are, are seismic, seismic implications. I think that would be, uh, the Derek uh, Chauvin trial is, is the one that there's a lot of things there. There's a lot going on in both of them, but I'm going to start with the Deshaun Watson one because there. There are so many unknowns, Mike, uh, with with Deshaun Watson. But, but, as we mentioned yesterday, now, one thing we mentioned yesterday, we thought the NFL might come down and put him on the exempt list or something like that. That didn't happen. But Beats put, beat the NFL to it. Nike beat the NFL to the punch. And so, although there are unknowns, these companies are doing what a lot of corporations do. Say, and we don't want the association. We don't even want the process. The process by itself, we don't know if you're innocent, uh, if you're guilty, but we don't want your name associated with our brand if these things are starting to happen for you. I think it's very significant that, and it's instructive. Because you know what happens, Mike? And tell me if you, you agree with this. In a lot of cases, corporations are ahead of leagues. In other words, mm-hmm. hey, Nike may not want the association with Deshaun Watson. I'm not sure if other NFL teams feel that way. Until he goes on, this is the way I look at it. Until he goes on an exemplist, until the commissioner makes some definitive statement about Deshaun Watson and I know you say you don't want us to center the quarterback, and I agree with that. But I think we got to address the harsh realities of professional sports. Yeah, Harsh realities of professional sports in North America. Until the commissioner says you cannot deal with Deshaun Watson, we're making a statement on Deshaun Watson. Until that happens, other teams will continue to call the Houston Texans and say, all right, what will it take for us to Take this problem off of your hands. Let's, no, let's let's definitely go there. We can we can we can discuss the quarterback without centering the quarterback. So that's that's fine. And I mean, obviously, with respect to the news cycle, the news today has centered around 
um, first Nike, then Beats, and then even Reliant Energy, uh, which is uh, the parent company. NRG is the parent company of Reliant. NRG has the naming rights to the stadium in Houston. Uh, They have put out a statement uh, saying that they are aware of pending civil lawsuits and a criminal investigation, uh, that their relationship with Watson as a brand ambassador was scheduled to end this spring prior to these allegations. No plans for future engagements or contracts with him. They take accusations of this nature very seriously with respect to the legal process. We do not have any further comment on this matter. Uh, Again, that is from uh, Reliant Energy. Uh, And I'm sure others will, will follow uh, but to go back to your point about corporations being ahead of the NFL, yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I don't have on good authority, but decent authority that uh, NFL teams, the usual suspects, and even the ones who you think would be out of the Deshaun Watson market, uh, given some of the moves they've made so far this offseason, that they have not been completely scared off. And I think the reason is, Michael, Let's, let's start with the, t- the Houston Texans. If you're the Houston, uh, here's a hypothetical for you, and it's a rhetorical okay. hypothetical, but a hypothetical nonetheless. Okay. If the Houston Texans today, to your point, release Deshaun Watson, just release yeah. him. Right. Does he get signed tomorrow? We know that, yeah. We know he gets signed answer. tomorrow. Yes. So, issues and all. And so, with that in mind, if you're the Texans and he was already going to be a problem for you because he wasn't going to play for you prior to all of this. And you decide, well, let's quote unquote, get something for him. Then maybe the asset has been depressed. And if you want to trade him for cheap, I do believe that there are teams right now who, despite all of this would trade for Deshaun Watson and deal with the consequences later, because let's say you don't have Deshaun Watson for four games. You got him for the next four years plus. plus yeah, let's say years. you don't have him for eight. You're still. Right. And, and, still and, and it's way too soon. You know, we've we both seen people proclaim that he may never play again. Come on now. I mean, look. <laughs> Michael Vick literally went to jail for killing dogs. And before anybody goes crazy, I'm not equating crimes. I'm not, I'm not comparing crimes. I'm just talking about the people who we at one point thought were done. Michael J- Michael Vick went to jail for killing dogs, and now Michael Vick is on network television. Ray Lewis came back. Ben Roethlisberger came back. Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, came back. So, point being, there's Deshaun Watson's reputation and his brand or his relationship with brands, and then there's his ability to continue playing. And nobody's in a position to say definitively, what he will or, or won't be able to do on a football field again when he right. has not so much as been charged, let alone convicted or sentenced when it comes to these allegations. So we could take them seriously, but not go too far and say, hey, he may never play again. Way too early for that. Way too early for that. And so having said all that, I think what's, uh, what's interesting After yesterday's events, which, you know, we reacted to uh, Ashley Solis's very powerful uh, public statement uh, yesterday. After that, Rusty Harden disclosed that um, Ashley Solis uh, asked for one hundred thousand dollars. 
uh, right. prior to filing suit. Yet another attempt to discredit the accuser. Another failed attempt, frankly, to discredit the accuser because her asking for $100,000 in advance of filing suit does not mean that she's lying. That it didn't happen. It means right. she asked for it, yeah, it means she asked for $100,000 before filing suit. What it tells me, and if you look uh, through the, re- the emails released, what it tells me is that Mr. Gaffield, uh, who was acting on behalf of Deshaun, who works with his, uh, the agency Athletes First, uh, Scott Gaffield, he's a general counsel, counsel at Athletes mm-hmm. First, he said something to the effect of, hey, we don't think Deshaun did anything, anything wrong, but... We think he probably should learn a lesson. So let's talk about a lower amount. And I say to myself, man, if Deshaun Watson would have paid the $100,000 or the lower or or engaged in, if they were willing to negotiate about a lower amount, or if he'd have just paid the $100,000, then we know nothing of this. So in an effort to save some money, even though you acknowledge that, hey, okay, maybe we can work something out. I just I just don't understand the logic behind a guy with that those kinds of resources saying we'll pay something, but not one hundred thousand to make this go away. So and the reason I bring that up, Michael, and and I'll say this before passing it back to you, is the question I have for Deshaun Watson or with regard to Deshaun Watson in this back and forth in the court of public opinion is I wonder, and I don't know, man, I, I can't, I'm not going to judge based off of Twitter or based off of, you know, the, the commentary that I've, you know, been able to see. I don't, I don't know, I don't know necessarily how the public at large is processing this. But what I would like, what I want to know from you, Michael, is does it feel to you like it's gone from innocent until proven guilty, again, in the court of public opinion, which does yeah. not have yeah. the same threshold a burden of proof. You don't have the same burden of proof in the court of public opinion, the hypothetical court of public opinion that you do in civil court, that you do in criminal court. But does it feel like, nonetheless, it's gone from guilty until proven innocent, or innocent until proven guilty, to guilty until proven innocent, to now it feels like, Michael. Tell me if I'm if I'm if I'm reaching here. It feels like the burden of proof is now on Deshaun Watson, right, to prove that this is some kind of a conspiracy. He has to prove the guilt of Tony Busby and the 22 accusers of sexual assault at this point. It feels like there's just been so much evidence in support of these accusations that now the burden of proof is on Deshaun Watson to say that this was all made up, this is all some grand conspiracy orchestrated by Tony Busby and these 22 accusers. Like, this is completely and utterly false because at this point, Michael, and I'll also add a hypothetical. If Tony Busby, let's say he comes to Deshaun and say, Hey, okay, look, you want to settle now? Here's another opportunity to settle. If you're Deshaun, do you take it now? And if you take it, does that come with some kind of, even though legally it doesn't some kind of implicit admission of, 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 of guilt of liability? You understand what I'm saying? Like I, I in short, I do understand what you're saying. That's, I know I'm saying a lot, but yeah. what is Deshaun's I, next move at this point? What is his next move? We've yeah. seen what the corporations have done. The NFL has done nothing so far. The teams are waiting in the wings. The Texans are, they put out their statement and they're sitting by. What is Deshaun's next move after what we saw yesterday? 
Look, it's a good question. And I'll go back to your first point, which I agree with. It was innocent until proven guilty, and then guilty until proven guilt, uh, innocent, and then guilty, <laughs> essentially, in the public, in the court of or, public opinion. Now you got to you got to prove their guilt. You got to prove their guilt. You got to prove in order to in order to, right. in order to prove your innocence. You got to prove their guilt. And you know, here's the thing. Um, it's the way it's the way the lawyering has happened that has been so difficult to respond to for Deshaun Watson and Rusty Harden. Okay. If it was one, it, it started off as one. Oh, this person, this person says Deshaun Watson did it. These five people said Deshaun Watson did this to them. Did uh, you know? Then we, we went from, remember, think of how we did. We went from five, then we went to 10 and it kept going. Now we're at 22. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just the volume. It is the, it is the public nature of it. Just starting off announcing that you have something on Instagram, then bringing it to the fore, then bringing it to the public conversation, then holding a press conference saying, Hey, this is not about money. I don't need it. I don't need about, I don't need the publicity. Then you're rolling out actual people. They're not Jane Doe's anymore. Now they're, they're, they're real people who are putting their names and faces uh, to these accusations. And every step of the way, that's why I say it's about lawyering, every step of the way, Rusty Harden and Deshaun Watson are responding to something that Tony Busby and the accusers have already done. They're responding. I, I, I just imagine them like on skates. They're retreating. They're, they're retreating. Oh, constantly. It feels like they're on defense. And yeah. what's the next move to get ahead of it? If, if that's what you want to do, if you have something to say, like I said yesterday, you cannot halfway, half step on the fence, play this public game, this court of public opinion game. Your, your choices are, are very, are very simple. One, stay out of it. Let them say whatever they want to say. Hey, I look forward to addressing all of this in court. Uh, people know my character. I will address it in court. Let's just wait. Or you got to get in and you got to say it better. You got to speak better. You got to be more emphatic. You can't keep responding. What's your offense? Not, we've seen your defense. What's your offense? And, and so far, that's why you say public opinion. Well, You're right. Public opinion, they're losing because yeah. I don't know what happened. Not, neither of us says nobody knows what happens. What happened? Uh, 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 well, right. unless they're the principles, we know we know that we know not. <laughs> That's right. what we we know that we know not. That's what we are. So you know, I don't no know what yeah, happened. No unknowns. There are unknown unknowns. Yeah. Neither do you. But what I do know, based on what I hear, Tony Busby has a plan. He's got a game plan, I, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to trivialize it. Uh, and maybe I yeah. shouldn't say game plan because that sounds too. Relax. It's, t- it's too casual. It sounds punny, but I, I, no, I know what you mean. I know what yeah. you mean. Though. I, he's I, got a, I believe a strategy. he's got a case, but he has, he's very strategic on how he is outline, outlining this case for the public to see. And it doesn't seem like the Watson team has a plan, a vision that is as clear and as compelling as the Busby team. Well, well what's and, and this is why I've, I've this this is why I've, I've said several times about being careful not to not to center the quarterback and not to make this about 
what we, I mean, obviously he's the higher profile name. He is the accused. Um, mm-hmm. That's not to be confused with being the victim. Now, there is a chance that at the end of the day, he could be the victim in all of this. And the reason I say that is because being consistent, we don't know what happened. We don't know what we don't know. We know that we know not. However, here's what we do know. And this doesn't mean proclaiming his guilt. Let me be clear. But here's what we do know. We know that Instances like that instances of rape and sexual assault are underreported. Those that are reported, uh, the amount that are false, the number of false accusations are minimal, minuscule, some are two to two to five percent or something like that. We know that women typically seek retribution in the civil court system versus the criminal court system for a variety of reasons, which are readily available for your own education and your own edification. Right. Um, We know that women do so anonymously to avoid the inevitable victim blaming that takes place in these cases. And we also know that women don't often do what Ashley Solis did yesterday, which is to go and 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 speak your your truth, your version of the events, your side of the story to do so publicly. Right. That's that's unusual. None of that is to suggest that that means that Deshaun Watson is definitively guilty. What I'm saying is this is how this we need to focus on the issue. I've tried to do this. We've tried to do this in these conversations. We can we can recognize that nothing has been proven, but we can recognize the issue of sexual assault in general. And eat, and so going back to, and, 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 and some of the, 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 the stereotypes, the tropes, the practices. Okay, Michael, you said game plan. The playbook often associated with the discussion around it's sexual assault. It's very familiar. Which is unfortunate. It's very familiar. Through the and years. I think, you know, frank, frankly speaking, you know, yeah, let's just take yesterday. The response to, okay, she said it's not just about the money. And then Rusty Harden puts out a statement saying, oh, hold on. It's not about the money. Well, you asked for money. That doesn't right. mean that something didn't happen. And maybe it meant that maybe, I can't emphasize this enough. I'm qualifying it out of fairness. Maybe it means that she went about it to try to get some kind of retribution to avoid going through all of this, maybe. Or maybe it means that she wanted money, and maybe it means that she's gone to these great lengths to get money. And this is just one. We're not talking about the other 21, just one. But it is common for people to seek some kind of a settlement before filing suit. So I'm saying all that to say this, that the fact that she asked for $100,000 does not prove that she's a gold it's digger. It's a money grab. It doesn't right. prove it doesn't prove right. that she's lying, and it doesn't disprove that Deshaun Watson did anything. We're still at square. We're still at square one. Like the to your point about the about the responses, the responses have had no impact on anything other than attempting to discredit the accusers and compare 
the accusers at one point anonymous credibility or lack of credibility to Deshaun Watson's reputation, which goes back to the playbook. And the other one, in addition to the hundred thousand dollars, um, the 18 character witnesses, the 18 masseuse who testified, not testified, excuse me, who put their names on statements, attesting to attesting to Deshaun Watson's professionalism. Those character witnesses did nothing but bring the number of known masseuse to 40. 41, if you count Sports Illustrated, because just because, as we said, just because those 18 had professional experiences still doesn't mean that nothing happened with the 22. Both this things. is a, I was, I was on Twitter. I actually was, I was on Twitter going back and forth with people last night in a very, in a respectful way. And I'm saying like, this is a very fine line and a tightrope that we have to walk. There's the only alternative to walking this tightrope is to avoid it, avoid the conversation altogether. You and can't. You and I are not in the business of, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot avoid you can't, this you conversation. Can't avoid it. You could talk about it responsibly, it. and the responsible way of talking about it is to take these accusations seriously and to discuss sexual assault in general. And how Absolutely. along the way we have seen Come a on. lot of a lot of predictable tropes and stereotypes and victim blaming taking place, alleged victim blaming taking place, which that's what we need to address. We need to address the what about the what about isms that come up. Like we need to address how much differently we talk about crimes against women versus crimes in general. That's yeah, you know what? We need to take this as an opportunity yeah. to learn about ourselves. We don't know what we don't know when it right. comes to whatever happened in these different Keep massage praying. sessions. But we do know how much how far we have to go when it comes to discussing crimes against women. Key phrase, key phrase, and and then we'll you know I'll say this quickly, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll take a break and talk with Doc Johnson. Right, let's do that. You said we we have to have these conversations. We can learn more about ourselves. That's why I love sports coverage. In addition to the games, in addition to the obvious uh, athletic feats and the unbelievable things that you see. It's people. It's learning about people. How do people respond in certain situations? And just finding out about them in, in the in various situations. So, for example, I would like to know how do Houston Texans fans respond right now? Do Houston Texans fans look at this and say, "I want nothing to do with Deshaun Watson anymore. He he can't play on my team. I can't root for him." Or do they take the other cop out route? that I have taken many times. <laughs> I have taken this. Which is? And you know what the cop-out route is? You could probably that? recite it. It's, it's a cliche. Separate the art from the artist. Oh. That's the cop-out. Right? Oh, hey, listen. I don't condone it. He's not a friend of mine. Oh, like, all of them. They're not all choir boys. You're not going to have a team full of choir boys. If you do, you're not going to win any games. Hey, I don't want them as neighbors. I just want to be entertained. I don't care. All that stuff. How do people respond with these real-world issues? you got a real-world issue. And then you have the games. The games and the real-world issues, really, they rarely match up. People put the games over here. It's like, what we try to do is just combine them. This is all part of the of life. This is all part of life. We do that. But a lot of people say, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. I want to put life over here. 
I want to put the games over here, and I don't want them to intersect, and I don't want you to judge me by doing that. I don't know how Texans fans feel about it. I'd like to know. Do 75% of Texans fans say, leave Deshaun Watson alone, keep him? Or do 75% say, no, nah, that's enough. I've heard enough. Let's move on. All right, let's take that break you were talking about. Uh, Jason Johnson is standing by. Uh, we'll get into the Shelvin trial with him. And uh, maybe we'll come back to this later on in the show. Yes, um, we should. So the show, this story is certainly not going anywhere. No time soon. Barring a, a surprise settlement. And given what happened yesterday, um, you look away and then there's another plot twist when it comes to this, this ongoing, quote-unquote, trial in the court of public opinion for Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Let's see if it stays out of actual court. Because um, it will be interesting to see what his team would do if presented with an opportunity to settle now that they passed on before. Interesting to see what, uh, how they would play it. So. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's an initial reasonableness in trying to just get him under control over the, in the first few seconds, but, but uh, once there was no longer any resistance, and clearly when Mr. Floyd was no longer responsive and even motionless, to continue to apply that level of force to a person proned out, handcuffed behind their back, um, that that in no way, shape, or form is anything that um, uh, is by policy, is not part of our training, and it is certainly not part of our ethics or our values. Jason Johnson, uh, day eight of the Derek Chauvin trial, we're up to eight or nine current or former officers having testified against Derek Chauvin, uh, that his actions were in no way, shape, or form proper, inappropriate, um, unauthorized, uh, unnecessary, excuse me, totally unnecessary, not part of their training. And so as I listen to all this, I think back to the last time we talked to you, and last week we had you and Tiffany on, you know, man, I was pretty skeptical um, Mm -hmm. and cynical 
about whether or not 12 jurors at the end of this trial would all see it the same way and convict Derek Chauvin of either second degree murder, third degree murder or manslaughter. I'm allowing myself, Jason, admittedly, to (laughs) be hopeful. The defense hasn't started yet. They've been cross-examining. They haven't started, uh, you know, but but, there's a long way to go. But I'm allowing myself to be hopeful. So I I say all that to just say, you know, your take on the first eight days or so uh, of this trial and and, and what stood out to you. Like, I haven't seen this kind of parade of blue since, like, Duke made the tournament, and that's been over a year or so now. Um, I mean, like, just the cop after cop after cop after cop after cop coming forward and saying the same thing. Fellow police officers, EMTs, the current chief of police, the former chief of police. Current chief of police was like, I think Arando or Arenado, it might be pronounced the name wrong. They were like, this is murder. I mean, like they used the term murder. Um, you know, you, you had experts coming forward and saying, you know, you, you had his, his former supervisor saying, look, you know, there was no reason clearly George Floyd was subdued. You had EMT experts come in the last 24, 48 hours and say, look, the moment that you can't feel a pulse, you are obligated to provide first aid. I mean, there is not much that the defense is going to be able to do against this parade of his colleagues, of his colleagues coming forward and saying this is wrong. Now, I know yesterday they tried their little game of like, well, isn't it possible that George Floyd was a combination between being on drugs and a zombie who could come back to life even after you suffocated him and therefore you had to keep applying pressure in order to make sure that that's going to fall on deaf ears. It it can't counteract the fact they have yet that the defense attorneys have yet to trip up any of the witnesses. They've yet to trip uh, trip up any police officers. And that I think is the key thing here. Like I, I told you guys last week, I think he's going to get convicted. I never had any doubt that he was going to get convicted, but it doesn't necessarily speak to any larger issues in our criminal justice system, unfortunately. Right. All right. Uh, right. Look, uh, Doc Johnson, I'm going to ask you a question. And then after I get your answer, I'm going to tell you why I asked you this particular question. So from your experience, I know you know a lot of people. um, Who's the, the, the most thoughtful or let's say the best police officer that you've met in your life? Like, who, who is that person? Wow. The best cop that I've ever met. Yeah. Um, so I have like a, she like a big sister to me. Uh, my big sister, Carla, uh, her husband is a police officer. He's probably the nicest police officer I've ever met. I am highly skeptical of police officers as most black people should be in this country, but he's probably the nicest cop that I know. And, and the reason I ask is, you know, with some of the cross-examination, as Michael mentioned, this notion that the crowd, that the crowd, this 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 growing crowd, this swelling crowd, <laughs> may have caused five, the officer people. to be a little disoriented. And uh, hey, they prevented him from getting right. George Floyd some help. And my 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 two thoughts were: one, if a crowd prevents you from getting help when you're doing that. Right. You're probably a terrible police officer, one. And then two, (laughs) very closely connected to that is the job. I know we're all skeptical. You're right. We're all skeptical uh, of police officers just inherently as as Mm. we should be. It's a healthy skepticism. Yes. Um, Well earned. Listen, 
the job's not for everybody, right? No. It's the people who do it well, there, there's there's an art to it, even if we look at it and say, well, that's still, you're still working for the state. You you do some things that we don't agree, agree with. There's some people who do it and they can do it artfully. And some people just shouldn't be doing it. Some people shouldn't be doing it. Some people are just violent, unprofessional racists. And, and here's the other thing. The idea that the crowd had that much of an impact, right? Like, like, let's say, look, I was the younger brother, okay, in my, my family situation. But if my older brother is beating me on the head, and my parents are like, stop hitting your younger brother. What? What are you talking about? Stop hitting your younger brother. You're scaring me. I'm still punching. Like, when people tell you to stop doing something, when people are reacting negatively to the thing that you're doing, the normal reaction is to stop doing that thing. Right. I don't care if it's like stop hitting your younger brother, stop leaning against my car, stop peeing in the corner when you're drunk, whatever. People tell you to stop doing something. Usually reaction is to stop doing that thing. So this notion from the defense attorneys that this crowd that is yelling at Chauvin, by the way, who is being protected by a phalanx of other officers. Right. It's not like the crowd was right on him. But the idea that this crowd saying, hey, leave the guy alone. Hey, stop it. Hey, he's already on the ground. Somehow frightened him oh, but so they called much him, that he had They to... called him names, though, Jason. Right. They called exactly. him names. They were cursing. Hey, come it, on. It, it upset know. him so much. He had to lean in more. I mean, that, that was a, that's part of, Michael, that's the thing. That's part of what's so crazy about it. Like, I've always thought that defense, they don't really have a defense. And, 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 and nope. Chauvin is not a particularly sympathetic character. And look, unless they're going to go find Daryl Gates and Stacey Coons, you know, from 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 the L.A. riots 20 something years ago, unless they can find some dirty cops to come forward, unless they can get like, you know, Cobra, Dirty Harry, Demolition Man, unless they can get somebody to come out here and say that what he was doing made sense. I just don't see I don't see how they can be successful and they shouldn't be because it's a pretty darn common sense well, cut, cut and dry case. And it always was coming in uh, just on the on the idea of the crowd. I, again, never been a police officer, but I think if he would have been in distress, I don't think his hands would have been in his pocket. Right. I don't think he would have looked as calmly as he did. And yeah. I don't think that he would have stayed, his knee would have stayed on George Floyd's neck yeah. until That's right. the paramedics arrived and they had to instruct him to move. He was oblivious yes. to George Floyd. And Jason, I've taken it a step farther. Not only was he not bothered by this so-called crowd, I think he was performing for them. Oh, completely. I think this was a this was a counter protest. He was yes. mocking Colin Kaepernick is my speculation. Yes. This was a yes. counter protest on the part this of this was- evil individual who was saying, oh, you want to kneel in police brutality? I'll give you police brutality. I think he was it, to- was, it was it was intentional. One hundred percent. It was a power flex. And, and I've heard, you know, both witnesses and analysts speculate that with his hands, first off, having your hands in your pocket while you're leaning on somebody is his difficult to hold balance. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what kind of downward dog he thought he was doing. There are people who speculate he was actually putting pressure on his own legs in his pants to keep the pressure on. And, and I will say this. I will confess to this uh, as, as a grown black man. I have had police pull guns on me three times in my life. Three. Mm. It takes very little threat, very little threat or perceived threat for an officer to pull his gun. So if Derek Chauvin felt in any way threatened, that gun is he could have kept his. 
That's he right. could have kept his knee on his shoulder blade and had his gun drawn. They're trained to hold exactly. that position. So yes. if he if he were threatened, we would have known it. it all, and somebody else's gun would have been drawn. But yeah. going back to just the beginning, and by the way, Eric Nelson, Jason, the, the next time he actually asks a question will be the first time. His entire <laughs> presentation has been, wouldn't you say, wouldn't you say, well, is it fair to say? He has not asked a question yet. Everything has been trying to get people to agree with him. In particular, right. the one that stood out today, which really pissed me off, was when they played the video from Shelvin's body cam. Mm-hmm. And he asked the uh, the LAPD use of force expert, uh, the the witness, the expert witness for the prosecution. He asked him, "Right, is doesn't it sound like he's saying I ate too many drugs?" <laughs> like for him to when, when nobody could make out what George Floyd was saying, for him to yeah. introduce that, that's where I catch myself wow. on what I said at the very beginning, Jason. Which is, I'm still afraid. You said you said the last time you were on, Jason. I understood it that that the system sometimes throws us a bone. And yeah, that this one is such an open and shut case. But the, but, the, but the system, it's the 12 jurors that concern me. That one right. of them is going to have such a, a harsh take. opinion about Black Lives Matter and yeah. be so protective of the police that no matter what, that they'll buy into the idea that George Floyd was all those things you described earlier. This, this Juror number 85. Zombie, hey, uh, who was, you, hey, that somebody, let me just jump in. You know? Hey, hey, yeah, hey go ahead, Jason, go he, just, he just described juror number 85 before the trial started. Uh, yeah. Juror number 85 says, look, uh, I think sometimes you got to do what the police say. And if you don't do what right. they say, essentially, you get what you deserve. Oh, That's somebody oh. on the jury right now. Yeah, I don't have any doubt. I don't have any, none of none of my assessment of this is based on any sort of inherent belief in the goodness of, of those who are not like us. Uh, it's not a, a a belief in someone having some transformative moment. It is a belief in not just the visual image, but the inability of the defense to present a counter argument and and to make George in, in order and to make Derek Chauvin a sympathetic character. That was the thing last week. If you guys if you guys remember last week during the trial. Um, where he was asking his supervisor, the black man that you guys showed in the video before, defense attorney is like, hey, when's the last time you had to arrest somebody? When's the last time you were on the street? His whole line of question was like, yo, it's gotten rougher out there. You don't really know what it's like in these streets. You don't know what it's like in these streets. They haven't been able to show that Derek Chauvin was Vic Mackey, okay, uh, you know, or, or something else like that. Like, they can't show that he's this 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 tough cop this but cop what if, that had to deal but with what him. if they're but what if they're sympathetic to police in general what if they what, what sy- if they're just sympathetic to the job not Chauvin, but just the job right the, you know if or, or anti black lives matter yeah oh, you yeah. can be sympathetic to yeah go ahead yeah you can you can be sympathetic to the job you can be anti black lives matter this is this is both of the things that sort of work against them number 1 is you have so many different police including white police and white EMTs who mm-hmm. are saying this is wrong, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's the key thing. Yeah. You have authority figures yeah. who are just like, who are behind this blue badge who are saying, yeah, I thought this was excessive. That's, that's the key issue here. And then on top yep. of that, that's George Floyd, yeah, George Floyd isn't a black lives matter activist. None of the people coming forward were black lives matter. These are just people trying to go to the local bodega, right? So, the inability of the defense to present this as a situation where 
okay, look, this is a wild, crazy crowd. Their inability to show that Derek Chauvin is, is from the shield and he's just that tough cop and sometimes you got to do this, that, the other. He hasn't been able to show it. And we haven't even gotten to, which I think is something that really doesn't work in the defense, we haven't even gotten to the, the likelihood that, they, that he knew George Floyd because I used to work security at the same place. Like, that's going to make it worse because if you can't mm. connect that to a story, Right. If Derek Chauvin was able to say, look, man, I used to work with this guy in security. He was a mess then. He was a danger then. They haven't been able to present that case. So you're telling me you knew this guy, you work with him, and then you, you leaned on his neck until he died? Did you have some previous reason mm -hmm. to think so? Those are all of the things that the defense has failed to do. And I think everything from trying to convince the public or trying to convince the jury that the chief of police doesn't really know how crime works trying to convince i mean yesterday right. they were low-key in this morning trying to suggest that he wasn't leaning on his neck he was leaning on his shoulder really oh the shoulder really? is this yeah. what we're doing yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. like you know yeah. I, you know that's that's what shows they're really grasping at straws they're reaching. like i i don't oh. yeah they're oh, reaching. The, 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 this is a dawson the, the, street the, like look I at said. him holding back the crowd that that one still shot of somebody's arm, you know, you know look at he's holding back the crowd. Like, he just had his right. arm. Whatever. Go ahead, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, Doc? I, I, I want to ask you this. So I want to switch gears and ask you about Georgia. I, I heard Brian Kemp, Sorry. governor of Georgia, you know, talking <laughs> about uh, the Atlanta Braves in the city of Atlanta losing the MLB All-Star game. And he said something about this liberal – disinformation campaign and the liberal lies that are out there. Now I'm learning. I'm trying to be a fair man. So you talk about <laughs> the counter argument. I cannot on my own. I need somebody with your credentials and your intelligence to give me a counter argument. So I, cause I, I I'm on, I'm on the side. I'm anti, I'm anti Georgia all the way, but tell me <laughs> the argument that Republicans could make. Make it make sense for me so I can understand it, where they're coming from. So here's the argument from Brian Kemp's position. I don't want to lose my job. That's his <laughs> argument. He's going to lose his job. 2022. Okay? <laughs> exactly. That's what he's worried about. Look, nobody in the state respects him anymore. The Republicans don't like him because he didn't sell out enough to Trump. A lot of Democrats obviously didn't like him because they thought that he was a cheater. He was unprofessional, incompetent. And independents don't like him because he keeps making a mess of things instead of just doing his darn job. So he thought he was going to split the baby and say, all right, look, let me do a little Trumpism here and let me try and reframe this as voter expansion there and maybe I can clean up my act. Here's what is going on with him. And I've said this from, from all along, guys. Brian Kemp is terrified that he's going to get primary. And the Republican Party in Georgia is terrified that he will be the nominee because they think he's going to lose to Stacey Abrams. That's what this whole thing is about. That's what he's trying to do. The problem with Delta Airlines and Coca-Cola and all these other businesses is they've got brand awareness to worry about. Delta don't need this smoke. They don't need this hassle. And this is the second or third time that the Republicans in that state have decided to pick a fight with their state's biggest employer. And I want to make this clear because I think a lot of people don't understand this. One, the Atlanta Braves are, are ridiculous. I mean, like I said, shutting up is yeah. free. Shutting yeah. up is easy. They shouldn't have said anything. It's idiotic. And nobody else should be saying anything about this. Let this happen, right? Like, like the Houston Texans, they ain't got nothing to say about Deshaun Watson, MLB, whatever it is that Goodell does. Keep your mouth quiet. Let the league take the heat. You move on. But here's the underlying issue here. Raphael Warnock, John Ossoff, 
and Stacey Abrams, the three most prominent Democratic politicians or want to be politicians in the state, have all come forward and publicly said, we don't want to boycott. They've been very clear that they don't want to boycott. So if the prominent politicians who are Democrats are saying we don't want to boycott, Brian Kemp ain't got nobody else to blame except for himself. That's the Mm. issue. He's causing his own problems. Stacey Abrams is out there saying, I don't think a boycott is a good idea. Stacey Abrams has publicly said, look, I wish, actual words, I wish MLB would reconsider. So the Republicans have, have, have created their own trap here because they can't say this is the woke patrol trying to snatch jobs out of working class black people who are in and around the city. This is all on Brian Kemp's behalf. And the more he does this and the more these Republicans say, oh, well, if you won't do what we're going to do, we're going to take your tax cuts. All that does is make Delta and Coca-Cola and every other big business say, you know what? I don't even want to mess with you. I'm going to give my money to Stacey. Because you know what? At least she knows how to get out of my hair. Well, and again, the all-star, nobody's entitled to the all-star game. It's an exhibition. They didn't move the Braves. You know, like, they'd be like, oh, you're taking $100 million out of your pocket. It's $100 million you didn't have. And 29 other markets didn't have anyway. So it's... let me be clear, Michael. No, they didn't. They didn't move the Braves. The Braves moved themselves. Okay, and nobody really likes the Cobb County Braves well, yeah. anymore, anyway, because yeah. they ain't the yeah. Atlanta that Braves no more. Too. Because they <laughs> decided they wanted to move out to Cobb County. <laughs> right. so let's be real about that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Touche. But but here's the other thing. So this isn't just a Georgia issue anymore. This has become part of the national culture war because whether right. it's Greg Abbott decided, well, oh, we don't want the All Star Game. We don't want that money, and I'm not going to throw out the first pitch or Rand Paul, or Marco Rubio, or even Mitch McConnell, somehow actually thinking it made sense to tell businesses to stay out of politics. Um, so I, I guess, what does, <laughs> I mean, what else can you do other than snicker, right? But, I mean, yeah. but, but from a larger <laughs> national, but, but from a national perspective, I guess, what, is this, what does this mean now? Well, well here's what this Not means. Just it means, the, yeah, the Republican Party, have put themselves in a bind. But here's the thing. It costs Delta nothing to make a statement, right? It costs, Coke isn't say, you know, it, it doesn't cost these corporations to make public statements about local policy. So what you're doing by Mitch McConnell and Rubio and all these other guys attacking these corporations, they're attacking them for doing essentially nothing, which actually increases the power and influence of their statements. All Mitch McConnell had to say was like, you know what? I'm disappointed in Delta Airlines. Keep it moving. Marco Rubio just says, hey, I'm disappointed in Coca-Cola. Keep it moving. But instead, they're going to do this ridiculous thing where they're going to subject themselves to to, to boycotts. Now I'm going to drink Pepsi. If you're going to force yourself to drink Pepsi because you're that mad at Coke, you deserve the rotted teeth that you get. Sorry, I'm a Coke guy. I'm not a Pepsi guy. But this is this is what I'm talking about. Like the, (laughs) the whole the whole process that they're going through doesn't make any sense. And here's the thing. The difference is. The Republicans can't enforce what they're criticizing without shooting themselves in the foot. What are you going to do? You're going to try to take back all those tax cuts in the middle of a recession because you're mad about a freaking all-star game? They can't do anything policy-wise to any of these businesses. And now what the businesses are looking at, see, initially they had this concern of like, yo, this is going to hurt my brand equity if I'm Microsoft, if I'm, I'm, you know, this company or that company. Now they're like, well, wait a minute. Mitch McConnell looks like an idiot. I look like a hero. Of course, I'm going to come forward and make a statement. And that's what's being missed here. The Republicans would be so much smarter to just not say a darn thing. Brian Kemp would be so much smarter to not say a darn thing because this guy, this is where this whole thing is moving to. And and this is a part that I don't think the Republican Party understands. They don't want to understand it. It's like 
it's, it's like scouting. It's like moving to analytics, right? Instead of just, oh, I have a feeling about this quarterback. No, you got to move to analytics. Georgia is moving to analytics. This is no longer a state that you can just win it by throwing out some culture war stuff, driving around a pickup truck and going to cookout, right? And, and grabbing some Zaxby's. You can't just gut your way through running that state anymore. There's too many different kinds of people. There's too much money. You might be able to pull that off in Texas. Maybe you can pull that off in Florida, but you can't pull that off everywhere in the country anymore. And as the Republicans recognize that they don't have any real policy other than we dislike gay people and we dislike trans kids and we dislike black people and we want to stop 0.000% of trans girls from being able to run and track, as they're realizing that that can only take you so far, they decide to pick a fight with large economic entities that they shouldn't be messing with. It's sheer lunacy. I'm here for it because I'm highly entertained, right? <laughs> and it's, like I said, I can't wait for Gatorade and yeah. everybody else to get involved, but it's stupid. No, it's just interesting how Georgia is this battleground state in a different respect because this is obviously a national issue. With I think it's all but three states by one tally have introduced uh, some form of, of voter suppression type bill. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we pivot, I will say one thing. All three of us could agree that Zaxby's is the chicken king, right? And I say this as a New Orleans guy coming Yo. from Popeyes. I grew Thank up on Popeyes. You. Zaxby's cannot be touched. Yes. I love that. Zaxby's, I love that. Zaxby's that, is I the love truth. that reference. I love the reference, but I hate the reference because, you know, obviously I'm now I'm starting to think about it. <laughs> you know, now, now I'm getting hungry here. So uh, I said Zaxby's. I was like, because I, I, I can't just get it right now. I can't sandwich. get it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, the, Zaxby's, I mean, yes. Zach, and the Zaxby's sauce and, and their fries Ooh. are like the truth. And usually I'm anti crinkle cut from like a fast food place, but their crinkle yeah. cut fries are mm. the best. So if Zaxby's is watching, yo. Come my way. Look at you. Come my try, way. Tag me. Trying to get the hook up. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm you know, listen, I, I, I grew up in I grew up in New Orleans. I raised on Popeye's and 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 uh, what you call it? Um, raising Cane is right yes, down the yes, road from me. Yes. You know yes. what I'm saying? So I know chicken. <laughs> and I'm telling you, Zaxby's <laughs> is the way to go. I am so happy that three black dudes just had a chicken conversation. Um, yes. It's good to smile. And, I, and it's good to We're here for it. It's, it is good. We're here yes. for it. Right. How did, how did you know that I would, how did he know that I was going to order the chicken? Oh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mean, I was, no, but but, 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 <laughs> right. Just, but Jason, no, all, all seriousness, man, I, I wanted to make you laugh and I'm glad to see you smile and you're always, um, you know, smiling through it all. But I know this is a very difficult time uh, for you in particular. Uh, one of your dear colleagues uh, passed away, Midwin Charles, uh, legal analyst for both CNN and MSNBC, 47 years old, uh, passed away. And I want to just give you the opportunity to reflect on, on her life and her career and the relationship that you were able to have with her. So I, I will say this. I'm going to make sure I'm straightening this out here. I don't know what's going on with the camera. Um, I will say this. Uh, and I, I wrote I wrote an obit, which was really hard to do uh, in the griot. Uh, maybe one was a real one. And I mean, I, I've, I've in, in my experience outside of academia, in my experience in media, I, most people who I've met are, are pretty cool. But there's certain people that you really click with. There's certain people who are just so down. There's certain people that like, whenever you do a TV hit, you know, you, you check your text messages because they going to send you the loudest. Yes. They going to send you the DM. They going to text you and be like, who I got to fight. And, and Midwin, Midwin was that person. Right. And, 
you know, what I wrote about is, is how much she was loved within our profession. Like everybody was like, yo, like, you know, we, we, we want to give her more flowers. She was great on TV. We wanted her to get signed and everything else like that. She was a wonderful daughter. She was the primary caregiver for her parents. She tried to, <laughs> I, I, I have to mention this. I was on earlier today uh, with the Clay Kane show. And we were just talking about what a light she was and how friendly she was, how funny we was. And we were both relating the fact that Midwin had tried to set us up with friends of hers because that was her thing. Midwin wanted everybody that had love. Mm. She was just, like, she was like, you know, she she had the gay brothers for Clay. She had some sisters for me. She's like, I just want you guys to be happy, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Like she was, she was that person. And so, yeah. and, and I'll say, you know, we had, you know, we had Tiffany on last week. Real talk, when we talk about guests, right? Not, not the host of the show. The only person who I did more media with, when you consider TV and radio and Instagram, the only person who I've done more media with in my career is Tiffany. After that, it was Midwin. Midwin and I were on, t- were like on TV, on radio, a lot. And I, I, I say this as, as, I, as I wrote in my obit and as I tell everybody out there, it is a cliche, but I'm going to tell you all the truth. Give people flowers when you can. Call a friend. Call a coworker who just makes you laugh. Tell them that you love them. Tell them that they're cool. Just tell them that they're fly like one last time because you don't know when that last time will be. I don't have, I don't have any of the, 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 the guilt that comes from not telling Midwin how awesome she was when she was here. Yeah, but I man. have the pain of knowing yeah. I'll never be able to tell her again. So... And thank you guys, because it, it's, uh, uh, it's, been, it's been rough. Thank you, Jason. Beautiful words. We appreciate you. Uh, words. Yeah, man. And, um, and especially the, the reminder, because it's, it's not just that it just, it just occurred to me, too. It's like it's not just that you don't know when you'll see them again and be able to tell them how you feel. But tomorrow's not promised for us either. We right. may not have the chance to tell them how we feel about them. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, hey, if something if I'm not here tomorrow, know that I love you, Michael Holly. Know that I love right. you, Jason Johnson. You know, so no, man, like uh I, I wish I, I, I just in your remembrance of her, felt like I knew her. And I didn't. Yeah. yeah. You know, but right. she sounded she sounded just like you described, like a real one, man. And so we're sorry. Uh, our condolences go go our condolences go out to her family, her colleagues, her friends and loved ones. Uh, like you, and, and we knew her through you, man. So uh, we appreciate you remembering her with us. And uh, rest in All peace right. for sure. So. Thanks, guys. All right, brother, man. Well, uh, appreciate thank you. Love uh, y'all both. There, and uh, we appreciate you. Love you. Love you, Doc man. Johnson. Love you. Keep, keep, keep pushing. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, man? All right. God willing in the creek don't rise. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean 
every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Scott, did you come up with the correct response? Who wanted to kick that field goal? <laughs> that is a great question. Should, should be should be correct, but uh, unfortunately for this uh, this game today, that's incorrect. Hey man, look, you know how I feel about Jeopardy. We talked about it before uh, with the late great. Alex Trebek and his passing and what he did for that show and the way he was able to handle his business uh, even after he got sick with grace and remarkable composure continuing to do the show when he knew uh, that the odds were against him. I love Jeopardy. I love that America comes together nightly to have a nerd out to talk about topics, a lot of topics we don't know. Some topics we did know and they drill a little bit deeper. You come out of that show, you feel smarter. And the things that you don't know, the, the show makes you more curious to find out about those topics. So to see Aaron Rodgers standing there as a guest host on Jeopardy, I was excited about it. I don't know how Packers fans feel about it, Mike Smith. But not only did I like seeing him there, he looked like. He belonged there. He looked like he was enjoying himself. I liked it. How'd you feel about it? I mean, A, good for him. Dream come true. Um, B, uh, look comfortable. Uh, yeah. C, uh, I have no doubt that he can do both, that he can play quarterback and host Jeopardy. Uh, given the the commitment uh, necessary, and you know he's already done the math on on what he would have to do. Um, and D, I like that he's campaigning for the job. I like that he's not making any any secret about the fact, like, hey, I want the job. Yeah. And I think what what he'll probably say, what he's probably learned already. Now I don't know. If I, I've seen various comments from him, and maybe he doesn't even realize this, but it's, it's no different than quarterbacking. From the standpoint of like, you can watch all the film you want. Uh, you can break down all the film you want. Uh, you can study. You can, you know, you can memorize 12 foods that start with the letter Q. You can do everything. You can watch Alex Trebek. You can do all the different things you think are necessary to prepare you for it. But nothing really prepares you for it. Like, he's a rookie all over again. The good news is that he's used to following in legend's footsteps. And what you and I both know is that this business just like the business that he's been exceptional in for the last 15 years or whatever it is, is that it's reps like it's reps, like as, as comfortable and as solid as he, as we've seen him to be so far, um, you know, because the, the run is, is, is airing right now. 
as comfortable and as solid as he is right now, he's only going to get better with more and more reps as the years go on. Alex Trebek, Trebek if he's into the job, day one, if he, well, there's no the question job. that he's into it, but I'm saying if he were to get it, if he, no, but I mean, yeah. even it, not just into, I mean, now, he's obviously into it. He wants it. And I don't doubt that he'll put the work in to get better. I'm just talking about just what happens with anybody. And this is where, like, this is the, this is the one area where we can actually advise Aaron Rodgers. That's it. This TV thing. And we, and neither one of us has hosted Jeopardy, but both of us have hosted right. before. And I'm saying that you and I both know that it's one thing to think that you can do it based on watching somebody else do it. You can study, you can prepare, you can watch all the film you want. Once you start doing it, it's only going to go to a different level the more and more you and more you do it. No different. It's just reps. And so I think it's a scary thought. He looks good now, but it's a scary thought. I've always thought that athletes, if they really wanted to, uh, can really run the world. And in my experience, the difference, and I, and I do like that you said, if he's into it, in my experience, the difference between the successful athletes in broadcasting and the yes. ones that fall by the wayside is how committed are they to getting better? Because That's you have right. some that are just comfortable resting on their laurels and resting on their reputation. I got the name. Here it is. And saying, I'm just right. going to show up. And because I'm me, Turn that's enough. On. Others, you can tell, truly take it seriously because here's, here's the thing. They want to be coached. They want to be coached. They're used to being They're coached. They're used to it. The, the, the really good ones are the ones that will come up to me or come up to you or go up to the producers and say, tell me how to get better. Don't tell me that was fine. Don't tell me I was good. Tell me how to get better. Right. Take me in the film room. Be critical. Be constructively critical. Be harsh. And they want more and more reps, and they show up, and they're and they first one in and last one out kind of guys. I've Cause they, seen them. Because they're I've used to that. I've seen the ones. Because they're, they're used to it. They got a work careers. ethic. And their work ethic is unparalleled because that's how they got to where they are in the first place. So Aaron Rodgers, when you combine his work ethic, when you combine his natural just comfort, he'll start to pick up some of the nuances uh, he'll get he'll get more and more comfortable. He'll get he'll get a rhythm and he'll start to not trying to be Alex Trebek, who, like the rest of us, he's grown up and watched. He will learn how to make the show Aaron Rodgers show. And he you will, know what? He will I'll find say this, his though. own identity in this space. You know, what? I'll say it. And, and it's OK. It's OK. In the beginning, if he mimics Alex Trebek, you know, uh, I'll give you a old school yes. jazz reference. Uh, Miles Davis, when he first started, was trying to imitate Charlie Parker. You can't, now think about that. Charlie Parker. <laughs> the speed of Charlie Parker and the speed of Miles Davis. One guy's chilling. The other guy's frenetic. So he looked up to Charlie Parker, and it took his imitation of Parker for him to find his own voice. And once he found his own voice, we got the Miles Davis uh, yes. that everybody knows. And I think the same thing would happen with Aaron yes. Rodgers. It's all right to imitate Charlie. Uh, to imitate oh, it's, it's totally uh, all right. Trebek totally all right. In, in, in the beginning. And, and that's a great that's a good thing. Until you yes. find your voice. Yes. But I'll say this, Mike. The only thing I look at is I agree with the reps part. That's part of the job. The other part of the job, which is so interesting about Alex Trebek, is that I believe he was an executive producer of the show as well. Did some writing. Did a fair amount of I writing mean, and research. Whether, he had, the title, he, had whether he had the title or not, he was. Yeah. <laughs> so what, yeah, I don't know if just, he had a title, but he the, was for sure. I'm not worried about the on-air part. On-air, he'll be fine. Mm -hmm. 
What's he going to do when the camera's not on? That's the investment. That's the passion. That's where the passion is. Well, that's what I mean. But that's the ownership of it. That's what I mean. You know what it's like? It's like the playbook. It's like when you come in as a young quarterback, you're just the speed of the game. You're just trying to figure out the speed of the game. And you can watch Brett Favre, you know, and you can, you know, go to Mike McCarthy's quarterback school and you can learn the playbook and you can learn the verbiage and you can learn the terminology. And maybe you can run the offense. But at a certain point, you start to show up to those meetings and it's your offense. You say, no, I don't want that play. Oh, I don't like that play. Or no, you know what, let's do this play or here's the first 15. You start to take ownership of the system. And that's what I mean by becoming his own, not just in terms of his presentation, but just the way the show is done, the topics, all of it, the, the rhythm of the show will feel differently once. And I'm not saying, you know, it's not broke, so don't fix it, of course. But at a certain point, it will not be Aaron Rodgers guest hosting or even LeVar Burton guest hosting. I'm not going to presume that it's his job, but whoever it is, LeVar Burton, if, it, if he ends up getting it. You know, I know there's a lot of, or the a lot of uh, petitions well, out there. There was a Jeopardy it, producer everybody you know? liked too, right? It was a producer who who, who yeah, I mean, he's getting a lot of love. Wh- whoever it is, it won't just be guest hosting. It won't just be following in the footsteps of Alex Trebek. Eventually, it will become their gig. In the meantime, Aaron Rodgers does have a full-time gig. And he has some other comments. He's still he's still on this, the future is, is a beautiful mystery tip. He's still on this, I don't know what the future holds. Like, bro, you, you throw 48 touchdowns or 47 touchdowns, whatever it was, and four interceptions – I know what I I know what your future holds. You're going to be the quarterback <laughs> of the Green Bay Packers. You and I have been arguing about this for the longest. Aaron Rodgers is still pretending to not know because he doesn't have any contractual guarantees or guaranteed money, and he's got his apparent his heir apparent behind him. Bro, you keep playing like that. I'm sorry. I refuse to believe that the Packers management is idiotic enough to think that they have to play Jordan Love because they drafted him in the first round when you have Aaron Rodgers winning MVPs. Am I, am I, am I being naive? In what world yes. do, you, do you usher somebody away? Because And don't tell me that it happened in Green Bay before because Favre was not playing like this and Favre was dilly-dallying about whether or not he wanted to continue playing when they moved on to Aaron Rodgers. This ain't the same ballpark league or sport. This is different. Favre was not playing like this. Okay toward the end of his tenure, and they didn't even know if he really wanted to play. When they moved on to Aaron Rodgers, he was still waffling about whether or not he even wanted to come and continue his career and and, and show up for training camp. Not the same Mike, situation. Mike, you are naive. Uh, I don't want to get okay. too ahead of the timeline. I don't want to get too ahead of the timeline because we still have some meat on this Aaron Rodgers bone. But I can tell you, the Green Bay Packers have a replacement for Aaron Rodgers. They, they, are, they, they already drafted his replacement. I can tell you about a legend. Well, hold on. I can tell you about a legend who is playing well. They didn't even have his replacement, and they moved on. See, they had less reason to move on from their legend than Green Bay does with its legend. The New England Patriots moved on from Tom Brady without a replacement for him. The Packers have one. It's Tom Brady. Michael. He didn't lose All anything. Right. He ain't lose a thing. Okay. He's great. Whoa. That's whoa, whoa, he didn't whoa, lose a hold thing. on. He did not. We we know that. No, we know that now. We know that now. And it's funny. We'll, Excuse I'm, me? I'm so glad you brought up Brady because we'll get to Brady. We'll get to Brady in a second. And, 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 and more specific, more, we'll focus on Brady in a second. No, we know that now. Hold on. We knew. We. I hear you. We and knew I'm, that then. What? Are you serious? Look, man. Look, man. 
don't know about you. Stop. I don't know. You ain't got to lie to kick it. You ain't got hey, listen, to lie to kick it. I don't know about Michael, you. Michael Holly. I don't Michael, know about you. Michael Scott Holly. Oh, I never. Oh, I, I'll, I'll tell you I about me. I never thought. You never doubted? Well, let me tell you, you about never me. Doubted. You didn't think after last year. Let me tell you about year, me. Let me tell you, you didn't about think me. that Brady had lost something after last year. No. No. Throwing to Jacoby Myers. Okay. Well, you one of one. And, uh, well, you one of one. And no tight ends. And you a left tackle. And a left tackle named Marshall Newhouse. <laughs> Come on, man. Okay. Well, you, you no, know what? He ain't well, you should have called up. You should have called up Belichick and Kraft. And then it's, oh, he wouldn't listen. And, and, and I was right talk here. I was right down the street. Oh, he wouldn't listen? He I, wouldn't was, listen? I was shouting. Okay. Because I was shouting outside even Gillette though State. he had a substandard supporting cast. He had a substandard supporting cast. Everybody recognized that. People, he played this year in a way that most people, okay, bravo to you, that most people, not named Michael didn't Holland, bravo to didn't me. believe he was still capable of playing. So that's the yes, difference in did. my mind. You, Michael. Okay, how about this? A, I'll tell somebody a, else to disagree with you. Go ahead. Let me tell you somebody else. Who else thought? Somebody the bucket, you know. The we Buccaneers? Know. <laughs> we're going to have him on the show. Jason Light. We're going to have him on the show uh, probably in a couple weeks. Jason Light His gave, alternative was yeah. Jameis Winston. Oh, no, that's not the gave, No, no, this, 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 he this, this, gave this is a false $60 million. Dollars, guaranteed. Gave him guaranteed money. Yeah. Okay. Because, A, he was looking for stability and credibility at the quarterback position that he didn't have with Jameis Winston and didn't want with Jameis Winston. So don't tell me because somebody else signed him that they knew he was going to be a guy that threw 40 okay. touchdown passes Well, I won't give him credit. 40s. I'll give myself credit. I'll give myself give credit. Give yourself credit. I That's knew enough. He had, what I'm saying okay, to you is, Michael, the history of the NFL is littered with quarterbacks and other players, but specifically quarterbacks who don't finish their careers with the team that drafted them, whether that's Peyton Manning, whether that's Tom Brady, whether that's Joe Namath, whether that's Johnny Unitas, go, Joe, Montana, Joe Montana, go down the yeah, list. Yeah. Rare is the quarterback who finishes. So I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I may be naive, but I ain't ignorant. Like I know that what I'm saying is the difference between Rogers and Brady is Rodgers is playing unquestionably at a higher level right now than Brady was in 2019, okay? Circumstances aside, Rodgers is the reigning MVP. And, and just because you drafted somebody in the first round because it was good value or and because you thought you needed to have an heir apparent in place for a quarterback who was aging doesn't mean that you got your ego and maybe I'm getting, this is where my naivete comes in. Maybe I'm underestimating the ego of the Green Bay Packers. That they yes. think, well, we drafted this guy, so we got to go, yeah. we got to play him. Like, what has Jordan Love shown other than being a highly touted prospect out of Utah State and being drafted in the first round? What has he shown to suggest that he's an upgrade or even close, no, even close to the level that Aaron Rodgers is? Not an Nothing. So but Aaron Rodgers' job security comes, comes in the form of his brilliance in my mind. But and listen, I, I can tell you this. I know they don't respect his brilliance because I know it was a joke, but there's truth in every joke. And he probably wrote that in there anyway. He probably said, hey, write this down. Look, they don't respect his brilliance. That's why the field goal thing was so funny. If you got Aaron Rodgers and you think he's brilliant and you're trying to go to the Super Bowl, I'll tell you what you're not going to do. I'll tell you what you're not going to do. Send the kicker out. Here's what we're not going to do. This is what we're not going to do. We're not going to send the kicker out. I got Aaron Rodgers. So they don't respect him to the level that they should. And they're not the only franchise that has a legend and doesn't quite appreciate him 
the way that everybody else does. You spend so you spend too much time with somebody and you take their greatness for granted. It happens. It happened with Tom Brady. It's happening with Aaron Rodgers, and he knows it. That's why he's talking about beautiful mysteries, and that's why they said, hey, man, who called for that field goal? <laughs> they don't respect him enough. So they do something stupid. They sure will. They drafted a guy in the first round. They'll do something stupid and, and play him before he's ready to play. I'm going to ask it to you like this, and uh, we never really touched on this that, that with the Bucs making okay. history. Right. Um, being the first repeat champion uh, to return all 22 starters. Is it since 79? Pre-free like agents. Pre-cap. Yeah, pre-free agents. Uh, yeah, first in the, mo- in the modern NFL to return all 22 That's amazing. Starters. At 2018, we used to play this game. We, we used to play this game um, back in the day at, at, the, at the height of Tiger Woods' dominance. Every major, there'd be Tiger on the field. Tiger on the field. So, you know, since, uh, since Brady feels automatic when it comes to getting to the Super Bowl, since the whole team is back since they running it back for real for real in Tampa they said they would they're doing it right here right now mister I always knew Tom Brady hadn't lost a thing I did know that but the Bucks are the field I'm asking you are you willing to bet against Tom Brady next year you taking the yes. field yes because I'm not just betting yeah. I'm not just betting against Tom Brady but yeah Tom Brady's a part of it he's the leader of the band it's just hard to bring that band back. That's why we haven't seen it in 17 years, right? 17, 18 years. Uh, a back-to-back champion. It's just hard to do. And usually it doesn't happen like this. Why hasn't it happened since 1979? Uh, well, many things. Sometimes teams are aging in the old days. Then you get the expansion era, like around 95. You're going to lose some of those uh, players from your, your team, your championship team, to the expansion draft. And then you got the cap where you can't pay all those guys. The Bucks came back. They paid everybody. And so now uh, there's a little bit of financial motivation for some guys. Comfort level kind of takes some of the sting, some of the hunger away from some players. And it's just the element of surprise that's not there. Some teams just want to, it, it's amazing. You've seen it. You've covered championship teams. The games you get. How everybody's ready. You saw a team last week, they lost 41 nothing. Now they're bringing their best for, uh, against you. Like, hey, where was this last week? Why are y'all playing like this? I didn't even know you were this good. What are you doing? It's just really hard to repeat uh, as a Super Bowl champion. So I'm going to say they'll be a good team. They'll make the playoffs. I don't think they'll win a championship. Okay, so, okay, okay, doubter. All right, doubter. Yes, I'm... I'm a doubter, but I'm not a hater. Okay, or a doubter. Skeptic, (laughs) not a hater. Uh, Not like I'm talking about the Brooklyn Nets. Bucks versus the field? I'll take the Bucks. Really? And everything you said is absolutely right. Everything you said is absolutely right. It's illogical. It's improbable. The odds are stacked against, especially with the way some some of these teams have improved this offseason, at least on paper. And I'm not even going to qualify for injuries. But let's just, we haven't even talked about health, Michael. 
I'm talking about just good fortune when it comes to health. You talked about all the other reasons why teams tr- traditionally don't repeat. I don't even think you brought up just luck in terms of in terms of staying right. you know staying healthy for the most part. I don't even think you mentioned that. So the odds no. are stacked against teams to try to repeat. I don't think it's coincidental that the last team to do it was Brady's Patriots or three or four. And I can see if it had never been done. It's been done. It's hard, but it's been done. And I believe that this team coming back, not only retooled, but let's go back to that Zaxby's conversation we had earlier. Maybe this just makes me a pig, but last time I had Zaxby's was the first time I had Zaxby's in a long time. And I forgot which sandwich I had, but it was like the ranch with the hot sauce Mm. mixed on it. And you Mm. know what I did? Mm. I went back the next day. Mm. Likewise, I never won a Super Bowl. But some people say that you get complacent. You get fat and happy. Other people say all it does is make you that much hungrier once you get a taste. I think these Bucks, now that they've had a taste, I don't think their hunger is going to dissipate. And I don't think Brady's going to let them. And I also think that this year, no matter how much Brady wants to say, I told you so now, I have on pretty good authority that he didn't believe this was going to be the year. It wasn't that long ago when Brady was doing this and he was a mean, okay? He didn't think this was going to be the year. This team rounded, rounded into form late. He always not have year. And every, nobody did. Nobody did. But like everybody else, did not have a training camp, did not have a preseason. Going into a second year, it stands mm-hmm. to reason that not only can they be as good, but they can be better wow. than they were last year. It stands to reason that they could, given that now they'll have an actual offseason, whatever offseasons look like in this environment, but an actual offseason, Brady now has a year of working with Bruce Arians. All the speculation about that's a bad fit, now they could draw on that's a gone. successful experience that's an and adversity I agree going that. into this year. So I'm going to take... Against all odds and against better judgment, I'm going to take the Bucks over the entire field going into the season. That's how, that's how confident and, I am that they will and, run it you know back what? and repeat. And he will have Super Bowl number eight. In your favor, one thing you got in your favor in this argument, Drew Brees retired, so you got an unknown quarterback in New Orleans, and New Orleans won the division last year. Mm-hmm. You got Carolina, yep. just traded for Sam Darnold, so they got uncertainty uh, at the quarterback spot. Atlanta, fourth pick in the draft. They got some rebuilding to do. First-year head coach there and Arthur Smith. So you you could probably improve your status. It, it, could, be, it could be easier. You could have one fewer. They took the long road last play. year. Well, now, right, not right. only that, they won the road all last playoffs. Right. But I'm saying, but you could, you could reduce one of those games. Until they got That's to the good home stadium. Your division, your division got, theoretically, your division got easier. But your schedule got harder because... You were coming off of a, what, third-place schedule uh, in 2020? Uh, 2019, third-place schedule? Second, uh, Second place. Ca- what, what, la- no, I'm talking about last year. Uh, but before Brady got oh, there, oh, weren't I'm they 7-9? I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm they were sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I think the only team about, they yeah. finished oh, ahead yes, of was... Yes, I got you. Maybe the Panthers? Yeah, but what does that even mean, though? But what does that even mean? What does that even well, mean? Well, it means... You can't, you can't project what somebody's going to be there. You can't... I know. Versus the year, it's only based on what they did the year before. On Doesn't paper, mean that schedule is right. going to be only on paper because they have a second on place paper, schedule. Because on paper, because some yeah. of the teams we think that are going to be good, maybe those teams won't be that good. They got challenges. I'm comfortable taking right. the field, and I don't know about you. Just me, I might want to put a little something on it. Put a little something on it. Shocker. A little something. Shocker. So you're betting against Brady. 
for the record. Yes. Betting against Brady. I am literally betting on against that side of the fence. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. G-I-E-R-Y-U-9913. Are you going to get football to host Jeopardy? This is, are you going to quit football to host Jeopardy? <laughs> no, I'm not going to. I just won MVP. I still have a lot left in the tank. I'm still going to play, and I'd love to host Jeopardy at the same time. Jeopardy films five shows a day, 46 days a year. That's 230 episodes, and I work for six months out of the year. So the other six months... I would have time to probably film 46 days, I think. Don't you, Ben? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Not 100%. I just wanted to get into the conversation with Charles Robinson with that, just because I knew how much Chuck would enjoy it, honestly. Like, I just, I just, I just, I know this, this week of Aaron Rodgers' uh, Jeopardy discussion and Moonlighter discussion must really be quite lovely for you right y'all i know aaron's your favorite quarterback i've I've come to learn that props to the jeopardy contestant (laughs) who asked him about the field goal (laughs) seriously that was my favorite (laughs) i i'll be honest with you i think he's been decent you know as a jeopardy host i i think he's got a future there and you know what i think if he doesn't have a future as a jeopardy host i think he could be in the realm of that tony romo 20 million dollar a year color commentator you know on on a network i mean he's Clearly, he wants to go into the entertainment realm, and, and I think he's going to have that opportunity. But I give it up to him for continuing to keep pressure on or, or keep, I guess, Packers fans guessing about his future. Well, guessing about his future, Charles, uh, Michael Smith says before you came on, he said, hey, maybe I'm being naive, but I just don't see the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, what do I know? Putting, putting Jordan Love in there when Aaron Rodgers is playing at this high level. And I mm-hmm. said he's being naive. I think they would. They drafted him in the first round. They'd do it. What do you think? Well, he does not – look, I, Aaron Rodgers does not have a good relationship with the general manager, Brian Gutekunst. And, and when I say doesn't have a good relationship with him, what I think people need to understand is I think Rodgers believes that Gutekunst has a post-Rodgers plan. And I think that upsets Aaron Rodgers. He feels like I've earned um, – my ability to not only impact the franchise, but how far my future goes here. And uh, particularly after winning the MVP, I think Aaron Rodgers, when he came out and I think he said on the Pat McAfee show, he said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, that he felt like he sort of changed the timeline or affected the timeline. What Aaron Rodgers is saying, and I'll tell you what he says privately about this is he thought the plan was after they drafted Jordan Love, that Brian Gutekunst wanted to start Jordan Love in 2021 and that 2020 would be Aaron Rodgers' last season in Green Bay. Obviously, he plays at a high level, wins the MVP, and that alters plans. And, and it put Rodgers in the mindset of, 
okay, you need to restructure my contract and give me some guaranteed money in 2021 and 2022 so that people know I'm the starting quarterback here and Brian Gutekunst, you need to show me that I am your plan right now, not Jordan Love. Another part of what complicated the Jordan Love scenario was Love did not develop anywhere near where I think the Packers had hoped he would over the course exactly. of last season. So, you know, that's, that's really a difficult situation. Now that said, the Packers want to push, you know, Jordan Love along in, in 2021. He's going to get a lot of work, whatever the work ends up being in the off season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the majority of the preseason work all goes to Jordan Love. And I think it's left Rogers in this position where he's continuing to look at Brian Gutekunst and go, this guy doesn't really believe in me in, in terms of, you know, being a long-term quarterback here. And I am, I, I personally believe what's going to end up happening here in 2021. If Jordan Love does develop along the timeline, the Packers believe he will, we'll run into a Brady situation after the 2021 season where Rogers will say, it's time for me to go. Yeah. Okay. Um, Speaking of Jeopardy, Deshaun Watson, uh, on and off the field, a lot's in Jeopardy for him at this point. Uh, A lot's happened. More cases have piled up. Uh, A criminal investigation uh, by the Houston Police Department uh, has opened up. Uh, Two accusers have put their names on their accusations uh, very powerfully. Uh, What are you hearing uh, around the league? What's been some of the reaction uh, to the de- developments really just in the last 24 or so hours? Right. Um, well, so uh, Ashley Solis, who is one of the accusers, and she's identified herself as the first accuser to to file the lawsuit against uh, the civil suit against Deshaun Watson, coming out and and speaking in this press conference on Tuesday, I think that changed the dynamic very dramatically for not only NFL teams, not only the league office, but obviously the endorsers. We've seen that Nike has paused his endorsement agreement. Um, Beats by Dre has has cut ties with him. I believe Reliant Energy has also cut ties with Deshaun Watson. I think it's because we have now seen a situation where the faceless, nameless accusations now have a voice and a face behind them. And not only that, she made a very emotional statement that I think carried a lot of weight in the eyes of people who watched it. And um, the, the deeper issue here that I think is coming into play that not a lot of people are talking about was the second Ashley Solis came forward, um, and Lauren Baxley is another one, another, the second accuser who had her, her name revealed in a statement read, um, but was not part of the press conference. But Ashley Solis in particular, people began to background her. And, and we're talking about the NFL, we're talking about NFL teams, Anyone who had any interest in, in what was going on with Deshaun Watson was like, okay, now we have a person. Let's see what this person's about. And she has a legitimate massage therapy business in Houston, by all accounts. She has legitimate clients who have come out, um, at least on her social media pages. Um, she is not, I think, what the natural assumption was when, when the idea that this was a money grab and everything sort of piled up on Deshaun Watson was, well, who are these women, you know, on Instagram and are they really massage therapists and how real is this? Well, now there's, there's some realness to this in terms of who this person is. Mm -hmm. Did she have a business? All these things. And so, um, you know, Rusty Harden came out, Deshaun Watson's attorney said, Hey, they asked for a hundred thousand dollar settlement, um, prior to filing the suit was interesting because that's not something Tony Busby ever backed away from when the first suit came out. He said, Hey, we tried to settle this 
before filing this. Like he just mm-hmm. didn't attach the the hundred thousand dollar number to it, but he said we tried to settle this. Right. I think Rusty Harden, right. what was really interesting in the legal community when he put his um, and I'm talking about people in the legal community in Texas who know Rusty Harden really well. I think they were surprised. He attached an email chain that showed at least some level of willingness on Deshaun Watson's um, mm. representation to talk settlement as a quote unquote lesson to Deshaun right. about um, people, you know, right. he, he engages with. So it's just this huge minefield now. And I, I think for NFL teams, one of the things that people have to understand the Carolina Panthers trading for Sam Darnold, the Carolina Panthers were aggressively interested in Deshaun Watson. When I say aggressively interested, mm-hmm. they called the Houston Texans said, let's do this. Let's do a deal. We're going to put a big draft pick package on the table here. And from what I was told, the, the Texans reacted in a way where they were annoyed. Nick Casario, the gentleman <laughs> was annoyed that the Panthers were even wow. pressing it. And now when was know, this? At, at, now, at, at what point this was, was this? Like, was this, this, this was pre, this was pre allegations now. So this is, we're talking January, February. Right. Okay. And it was driven January, by February, David okay. Tepper. Yes. And it was driven by David Tepper, yeah. the owner of, of the Carolina Panthers. He very much wanted Deshaun Watson thought this is my Super Bowl um, quarterback in the future. Yeah. And once the allegations came down the pipeline, the Panthers said, okay, now we have to start step back a little bit and start to look at this and, and see what is the legitimacy that that's, you know, going on here. And I think they remained interested right up until the point where the Houston police department said, okay, now criminally someone has made a complaint. We're investigating this. And I think at that point, the Panthers had already opened a dialogue with the Jets about Sam Darnold and decided there's no way we can continue to entertain this. The 49ers walked away. I think that was a team that was interested. The Jets, I'm told, had a chance to talk to someone who was involved in the Jets talks. Um, They made an offer for Deshaun Watson early in the going. um, Kind of, you know, from what I understand, it was not really the the package of picks that Houston was looking for. But I think the Jets were sort of like, let's see, let's let's put a, a package of picks out there and see what the reaction is. And then we can kind of judge um, what the, the math is on the part of the Texans. You know, the Jets now are sitting there staring at this whole situation going, yeah, we're, we're good with Zach Wilson. Like, I don't, I don't think we can engage in this. So that leaves you with maybe Miami and maybe the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. But with endorsers dropping Deshaun Watson, it puts the NFL and the, and the Houston police department saying, Hey, we're investigating this criminally. It puts the NFL in a position where the exempt list I think is, is not just a possibility. It is now a priority for the NFL to discern whether or not he has to be put on the commissioner's exempt list, which is just basically paid leave during the off season. while some of this stuff starts to sort itself out. You know, uh, Charles, the Texans, said consistently and you talk about that period where they were getting annoyed by the Carolina Panthers and other teams and you know letting messages go to voicemail requests trade requests go to voicemail at that time David Culling Cal McNair Nick Casario this is our quarterback he's a Texan they didn't want to trade him what's your sense right now do they want him there still no, I think that they would do, they would trade Deshaun Watson now if they could. And, and, but the problem is I think yeah. they know that the situation, the scenario. So from the inner mechanics of the Texans, speaking to someone in that franchise, the way I understand 
they were going about this is once the meeting with Cully happened between Watson and Cully and Watson made it clear again, look, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to play here. Like I, uh, it's time for me to move on from this franchise. The thought process in the minds of the Houston Texans was, okay, we're going to sit down. We're going to address a, what other quarterback can we bring in? Tyrod Taylor ultimately ended up being that guy. And, you know, let's, let's sort of take our few steps in free agency. Nick Casero did a lot of work offloading a number of players and bringing onboarding a number of players. There was a lot of work he felt like he had to do on that roster. And then I think he felt like once we get past the second week of free agency, what we're going to do is we're going to pick up the phone. We're going to call everybody who's left these messages and poked around. And we're going to say, put your best offer on the table, Carolina, the jets, Miami, whoever, you know, San Francisco, um, the Denver Broncos, like, but just put your best offer on the table and let's see where we go with this. Well, obviously the civil suits dropped and that changed, um, the picture quite dramatically. And I don't want to say what team, but I had one team that did put an offer on the table, um, spoke to the general manager, um, on Tuesday after Ashley Solis had, had made her statement in the press conference. And he said, the Texans would pray to have our offer on the table right now at this point after all this. And, and his indication was there's no way in hell we would ever entertain that offer ever again. He wanted to settle this thing and he tried to settle it and he couldn't. So clearly if he tried to settle it. That means Deshaun Watson was aware that there was some legal matter from another attorney. Do you think there's a connection between his request to leave the Houston Texans has something to do with the legal matter? It's not just the franchise. I don't want to play for this franchise. Is there any connection between what was going on off the field? I, I wouldn't. I don't think so. I don't believe so. I, don't, I, I mean, I would think that Deshaun Watson's a bright guy and, and his, represent, his representatives are bright guys. Like it, it's not, this is something that would follow him. I mean, it, you can't just leave the city and then all of a sudden um, whatever's going to happen isn't going to follow me um, beyond the, the city borders of Houston, Texas. So um, I don't think that, you know, I think Deshaun Watson, we have to remember if we set aside everything that's happened, obviously civilly and off the field, it's not exactly been the easiest go in Houston with, with Deshaun Watson. He's seen a franchise um, that has struggled considerably, not only on the field, but then I think also inside the franchise in terms of having voices that in particular black players feel like they can trust. Andre Johnson has come out and said, look, part of the reason why I left my position working with the franchise the Houston Texans was because I felt like you could see they were not, you know, and I'm paraphrasing Andre Johnson here, but you could see that they were not retaining the kind of voices that players felt like um, would, would give them an ear or somebody to lean on. And I, I do think that impacted this. I think, you know, frankly, there are a lot of teams out there would have loved to have Deshaun Watson. So when a quarterback is struggling in his situation, he's feeling like he's not really heard by the franchise. It would be naive to think that other NFL teams or players or whoever you want to put in the mix here aren't saying either to Sean to John Watson or his agents, we'd love to have that guy. Like, is there any chance that guy would ever become available? Because man, we would, you know, we would, even if it took a moonshot, we'd be interested in, in being involved here. So I don't think this has any, in terms of his uh, um, desire to leave the franchise, I don't think he was sitting there going, all these things are going to happen or they're coming down the pipeline. I need to get out of here. I don't, I don't think that's the case. Um, meanwhile, uh, everybody's moved on uh, from the very brief Russell Wilson uh, drama. Uh, obviously, the Bears got Andy Dalton. Cowboys got Dak Prescott on the men. 
Saints committed to Jameson Taysom Hill. Raiders seem cool with Derek Carr. And I guess from the sounds of it, depending on who you believe, uh, Russ is good now. Uh, Carlos Dunlap says that Russell Wilson told him that he was there to stay. Warren Moon uh, says that it's headed for divorce, maybe not this year, but next year. You hearing anything on the Russell Wilson front at all, or is it just all quiet? I trust Warren. I'll be completely honest with you. I think Warren Moon knows exactly what's going on with Russell Wilson. I think he knows exactly what's going on in the mind of Russell Wilson. I think he knows. I, I think that Russell Wilson has a very, very close relationship to Warren Moon. I would pay attention to what Warren Moon says. And, you know, I understand that Carlos Dunlap made a business decision. He did what he had to do. But, you know, what? what is Deshaun Watts, or excuse me, I apologize. Uh, what is Russell Wilson going to do? Is he going to look at, you know, Carlos Dunlap and say, hey, I know I said I would stay here for you. <laughs> So I'm going to stay here for you. Yeah. No, I mean, this Pull is Deshaun Watson. I, I'm out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, look, yeah. I think Russell Wilson is, is in the same position he was in when he had criticisms about how the offensive line was functioning and, and what they were doing offensively. Nothing's been proven. I mean, he could, he could make any declaration he wants right now. If they go into next season, they don't run the football and he's, you know, if things function the same way they function and he sits there and feels like, Pete's not, Pete Carroll's not listening to me. There's nepotism in the franchise where we have, you know, assistants that are related to Pete who, you know, can say things unchecked or, you know, no one's, I feel like no one's listening to me. Nothing changes. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a situation where as Warren Moon said, he thinks that it's a marriage that is not functioning well right now. I think he said it's like a, you know, squabbling in a marriage. And I think that's something that, if things don't change, they don't figure out a way to work this out on the field. And then I think sitting together in a room, and I told you before, we talked about, you know, Warren, uh, Russell Wilson, and I told you, I, talking to people inside the franchise and inside Russell Wilson's camp, there is a reticence for people to give you answers for how the trust issues get worked out. The, hey, we feel like Russ leaked this to the media. Oh, but, you know, there were these confidential meetings that had to come from the team. So you have these two sides that, that don't have a lot of trust there. Foreign Moon's talking about a marriage, and you have a marriage with squabbling and no trust. Where does that go? And, and I don't think it's, it's going in a good place. Something has to dramatically change there, I think, both on the field and then I think in rooms between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. Yeah, you know what, Chuck? Uh, somebody... Uh, let's say it's the Bengals are picking fifth, somebody from five to nine, let's just say that, is going to wind up with an unbelievable, highly rated non-quarterback, maybe the first non-quarterback of the draft. Who's that team and who's that player? I I really, really like Jamar Chase from LSU. Um, obviously sat out 2020, but I feel like that was the player that would have been the Heisman Trophy guy we were talking about. I mean, I think that's the guy that um, is a transformative, instant impact wide receiver. Um, you know, we talk about, you know, uh, Penny Sewell, the, the offensive tackle from, from Oregon is another um, great player that, that I think, you know, everybody's excited about you know Kyle Pitts the we we talked about Kyle Pitts the tight end who fits into that echelon of what elite game-changing nightmare matchup tight ends now look like in the NFL so yeah after Atlanta and now I mean maybe even Atlanta is taking a quarterback at four I think that's a real possibility Atlanta takes a quarterback at four you're talking about as you said five six seven eight nine are all sitting there going 
we could have the best wide receiver off the board. We have the best offensive tackle. We have the best cornerback. Um, you know, and it's it's remarkable <laughs> that you're the Bengals and somehow you have your quarterback and now you could potentially get the best non-quarterback position player at the fifth pick in the draft. And man, I hope it's an offensive tackle. <laughs> do you? I, I, I do. You know, well, first, first of all, you, first of all, you still, you still, you already answered my question. I was actually going to ask you about the Falcons in particular, because I saw the report that there was some disagreement between uh, Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith, whether or not to go quarterback or, or take uh, best non-quarterback available there. So you kind of alluded to that a second ago uh, on the Bengals but, front though. Oh, well, go ahead. Go, go Falcons well, and we'll go Bengals. I, I, go ahead. Well, well, Falcons, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot can say whatever they want. Arthur Smith is going to meddle here. Okay. Straight up. Arthur like Blank, the owner. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I'm, I'm sorry. Arthur Blank is going to meddle here. The owner is absolutely okay. going to weigh in. And, and I know he said, I am going to let them make the decision on Matt Ryan and all these different things. But if you think there's any chance that Arthur Blank isn't sitting there and they're having a conversation about who gets taken at four, um, blank is going to ask how much does Matt Ryan have left? I think he's like 36. Okay. Well, does Matt Ryan have, you know, three, four late seasons left in him and, you know, financially, what's that going to look like for us now with, you know, um, some of the quarterback money moving, are we fine with this contract? Um, there's going to be an Arthur blank component of that, that has not yet weighed. So, and I, and I believe Arthur blank would lean into a new quarterback, even though Arthur blank has said, I'm going to let them sort that stuff out. I, I'm just telling you, people who have left that franchise, talking about coaches, um, front office personnel, will tell you the same thing. Arthur Blank is a medal. He gets involved. And, and yeah. you know, it's whatever you want to say about his reputation, whatever he's saying out loud, when those meetings happen right before the draft, he's going to make it known what he believes would be in the best interest of the franchise. So, so as far as the Bengals, and it's funny, I referenced this yesterday. You said you, you hope it's an offensive tackle. You know, listen, I love Penny Sewell. Love him. You just mentioned Jamar Chase, though. So I'm going to make a statement and ask you a question at the same time I'm going to attempt to do that. This is, I love the draft because it's more than one round. So if they reunited Jill Burrow with Jamar Chase at five, the player you just identified as the guy that you really love in terms of non-quarterbacks, I don't that's not I don't think that's a, I don't see that as a, a mistake or malpractice because they could address they can maybe get, you know, Jalen Mayfield or somebody in the second round uh, to bolster the offensive line and beyond. So the way I'll phrase the question is this. All right. You're already saying no. Is there such a drop off between Penny Sewell and Rashawn Slater, for that matter, and the rest of the offensive tackles to where you need to take tackle at five and get a receiver later, which we know they can get receivers in the second round. Or is Jamar Chase just that good? Hey, take Chase and get offensive line later on. Why are you so adamant that they got to go offensive line at five? Because their quarterback got broken in half last season. I mean, because you, you have a, I mean, let's look. I don't mean to laugh at this misfortune. Can, I'm laughing no, at no, how you said it. No, because, I mean, we can, because we can sit here and play the game about, about talent and who should you take and who's more special. I get that. But why don't we wake up to the realities of who the head coach is? Zach Taylor dropped that kid back. Um, Joe Burrow, we're talking 50 times a game, you know, I mean, in terms of throwing the football, not dropped him back 50 times a game to do anything, but throw the football. And even when people were saying the offense line's terrible, this kid's getting pummeled and, and, you know, people are like, well, does he know how to protect himself? Well, how about the coaches in the front office protect him first? Okay. Before you're like, Hey, Joe Burrow, protect yourself. How about they say, we're going to protect you first. You can invest in wide receivers. That's great. But 
function. I, and, and again, this is just me here and everybody has a different, you know, idea of how they think NFL teams should be built. I think if you have a franchise offensive tackle who's sitting there and I think Penny Sewell is that guy. And I think NFL teams that no I've question. talked to believe he's that guy. If you can get that guy a fifth. Okay. Um, take him and, and, and don't look back. Don't sit there and second guess. Um, it, drafting traditionally, someone who can be that's a cornerstone. how it's done. And traditionally, that's how it's done. It goes quarterback, blue, blue chip, left tackle. No, there isn't. You, there isn't. So where do you come down on this? I'm, I'm not clear. You think they should you, go offensive I, tackle? Oh, okay. I think they should, Just yes, want to double yeah. check. And Mike, Mike, what, what have we seen? Here's, here's something else, too, that I think people have to understand. More wide receivers are coming into the league as ready-made players than ever before. And, and extremely sure. talented sure. wide receivers. And part of, I, I think, people developmentally have to understand that what we're now seeing – I think recently in the last few years and what is going to, we're going to continue to see are kids that are coming into the league having played seven-on-seven football, having played travel football, having worked out at wide for literally 365 days a year from the time they're like 10 years old. And, and yeah. we're seeing the proliferation of travel football and skill-based development, particularly at, at the wide receiver position, now hit the NFL where you're, it's not the – it's rare to get a wide receiver now who can come in and, and be a thousand yard, you know, wide receiver, particularly the proliferation of, of spread offenses and all these different things. They're playing in, in schemes that are similar to what they did in college, which also speeds up that developmental right. curve. So you can get better players later in the first no or question. in the second. No question. I love, I, Michael, as we, as we got to let Charles go, I just love how Charles will, can empty his notebook like randomly. It's like, you know what, while we're talking about this, bam. NFL wide receivers coming in ready-made. And for the record, I was Mr. Penny Sewell at two before the Jets <laughs> traded Sam Darnold. I was like, yeah, do not on the take back. a quarterback, get the tackle. Yourself on the back. I just like to remind people, I just like to remind people that the draft is more than one round. People think it's like, oh, if they don't do this in the first round and they're done. Like, no, they got other opportunities. He's reminded to draft positions. But okay, uh, real, real quick, though. Well, I, I said, I wanted, before, before we get out of here, yeah. too, I want I want for Michael Howell. What? Um, on the Tom Brady debate, I just I, I pulled this up while I listened to you guys debate about Tom Brady. I'm going to name off all the quarterbacks that the Buccaneers are going to face next year. Okay, Matt Ryan and or rookie Atlanta Falcons, they're going to do that twice. Sam Darnold twice. Uh, Matt Stafford and the LA Rams, and eh, we'll see how that works out. New England Patriots, Cam Newton, maybe a rookie. We're not quite sure exactly what's going to happen with the New England Patriots. New Orleans, Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill twice. The New York Jets, I guess a rookie, right? Zach Wilson. Zach That's what Wilson. we're looking at, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen let's Hurts. see. Oh, and then let's see. Dallas, let's see how, how Dak Prescott works. He's on the mend, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah the New York okay, Giants. You make your point. You, I mean, you listen to point. all these court, Chicago, the Chicago Bears. They'll be 11-6. Okay, the the this is not murderer's row. 11-6. I'm and six. telling you, like, they're they're playing the NFC East. That has a five. lot of quarterback questions. They're uh, they're in the NFC South. There's a lot of quarterback questions. You hear that? So twelve and five. I'm with, yes, I, I I they are they are going to be. Hey, did you get that twelve and five? I like that. I like that. People are still. <laughs> oh yeah. I, it, it, yeah. Remember, I'm still a twelve and four. Game. Yeah, yeah, I'm still a twelve. And four. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, Mike. Hey, the real MVP, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I, the MVP race may be over because James Harden's going to miss a week and a half with the hamstring uh, strain. So if you put those 10 days with the eight games you missed in Houston, uh, you have to disqualify him as yeah. the MVP of the league, right? You know, probably. I, I knew you were going to go there, because, especially with, you know, Jokic, you know, passing Wilt for, what, most tennis assist games by center. I'm sure you were going to take pleasure yeah. in the fact that I can no longer advocate for James Harden's MVP candidacy. He's Kevin Durant back though. tonight, though. He's MVP. Kevin Durant's back tonight, and they will continue to show why they're the best team they're lose. in the NBA. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.